we were just at about 85 grand. It needed everything, obviously. And we listed it at 129. We sold it in two days for 127. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we talk about the best real estate investing advice ever with our best ever guests. And we cut out all that fluffy stuff. We get straight to the insights that move your business forward. We've spoken to Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. And today I'm pleased to say that uh, Mickey McNee will be joining us despite her best efforts to hurt herself as much as possible before this interview. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Mickey. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah. And if you're wondering what the heck I was mentioning or what referencing, she over the weekend, she broke her tooth and sprained her ankle. And it's a very, very good story. So Mickey, (laughs) tell us what type of activities were you doing to do these uh, crazy things? You know, Joe, it's a short podcast. I don't think we have time to go into all the debauchery. I, for the sake of my reputation, I better just plead the fifth on that one. Well, I heard it was something to do with uh, eating cereal and then tripping. Is that is that is the rumor correct? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. There were no <laughs> animals involved, no wild parties. Well, that's we we can all we can all hurt ourselves in in many unique ways, and sometimes. Uh, and now I know to be careful whenever I'm eating my cereal. Just got to watch out for the the crazy cornflakes. It's a danger. That- there should be public service announcements. Yeah. And for anyone who's super curious, she broke her tooth by eating cereal and then she was going to the dentist and sprained her ankle while wa- while walking to the dentist. So uh, I'm so glad that you're you're here to join us. And 
when she's not eating cereal and going to the dentist, she's an active real estate investor who focuses on buy and holds, rehabs, and note buying. She started her career as a tenant rep for commercial leases, then moved to help clients do buy and sell residential properties. And I'm really interested in talking to you about that because it's interesting that you went from commercial to residential versus residential to commercial. So I'd love to hear more about that. She's based out of Denver, Colorado, and you can find her at 33zenlane.com. Did I get that website right? Yes, you did. Okay. So with that being said, Mickey, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure. You are correct. I did go from commercial to residential. My first brokerage was just this super hip boutique company that was converting industrial buildings into creative office space in one of the areas in Denver that's now one of the hottest five points. So, but my clients, you know, they went from having tiny offices to then going into their first brick and mortars, and then they wanted to get started in owning their own homes and investing in residential real estate. So it just kind of flowed naturally. And I just stuck with them through the process and realized that I really enjoy residential a little more than the commercial leasing. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So you were initially being introduced to your clients because they had a business and they wanted to lease space from someone you represented or you represented them to help them lease space. And then as their business grew, because you found them such a great place for the office, so of course their business grows, they then had some money to buy some homes or a home to live in. And then you just represented them and saw your business evolve that way. Exactly. So once you got to that point, do you see in the future these uh, same clients and the same type of client profile expanding to investing in other things like multifamily or single family homes for their own portfolio and see your business going that direction or are you sticking to the single family homes? No, I absolutely see it growing. We kind of say that we, we gear ourselves towards a clients with an investor mindset So, you know, if someone just wants to buy their personal residence and that's where it stops for them, that's great. But we help them see it from a perspective of what are my exit strategies? You know, what if I want to move one day? What if I lose my job? So we're running numbers, not just looking at paint colors and design. And then most of the people that we work with, they see that first purchase as a way to step into something bigger down the line. And we try to do a lot of education around that so they know what their options are. When you work with someone who you said has an investor mindset, what do you educate them on exactly? Most people come to us not knowing what they can do. I used to say my favorite residential client was someone who said, I can't buy a house because I think a lot of people make assumptions based on assumptions, not facts. So we like to look at, we like to talk with them about, okay, you have $5,000. This is what you could do with that. And the more they learn about different aspects of real estate investing, that it's not just buying a single family hold as a buy and hold or a single family residence as a buy and hold. Um, You know, they get excited and they start to see what they can do with what they have now and how that will help them grow into being able to do bigger and better things down the line. What would be an example of taking that 5,000 and not buying a single family home as a buy and hold? Well, crowdfunding is one answer to that. Or partnering up with friends and family to to flip a house or to passively invest, you know, private money lend in a, a larger project. 
just anything where you can take that 5000 and get the best return on it and grow it. How have you seen Denver in particular evolve over the years that you've been there? And what areas are still available for investors who want a good return on their money? <laughs> That's an excellent question. <laughs> it has changed dramatically. I mean, I've been here eight years. And when I talk to people that have been here 20 plus years, you know, I can't even believe their stories. But even just in the past, maybe four or five, I know there are areas that I used to drive through and think, gosh, these buildings are so cool. It's too bad this area is so rough or, you know, that it's run down and risky because now, you know, those areas are just in hot, high demand and, you know, things are priced way, way beyond, you know, what most people are looking at paying right now. As far as areas in Denver, you know, I'm going to have to go back to just the standard investor answer that there's opportunity in any market as a whole, the whole Denver metro area is pretty on fire. So there's a lot of competition for properties and very little property, very few properties available. And that's what makes it hard for an investor to get the return they want. But if your goals are, I want a cash flow, you know, you can find something in almost every neighborhood that will cash flow if you can, you know, if you buy it right. So, you know, it really just depends what your goal are. If you're looking for a 10 cap on something, then you're probably not going to find it. But if you just want to make a couple hundred dollars a door on a condo or a small house, you can probably do that. And what type, what what would be the one area that you see as the most prime for the picking for an investor right now? Hmm. I would say, well, I'm kind of come at things from a little more creative perspective. So I really like the southwest of um, Denver along, there's a street called Morrison Road. It's, uh, I've sort of seen my starter neighborhood move from the high northwest to the mid-north to the midwest and now to the southwest over the past two years. So that's kind of the area I would target. And why? Because it's still primarily a heavily renter-filled area. There are a lot of distressed homes. There's room for appreciation as Denver continues to expand. And the Morrison Road corridor itself is a really neat sort of street-scale commercial corridor that has a lot of vacant space. Um, But the city and the community organizations there are really working to just improve the presentation, bring in new businesses and I kind of look, because of my background, I look to the commercial first to see what's happening. And when I see people getting pushed out of the main areas and where they're willing to go and explore, those are the areas I see are going to turn in the housing market as well. What would you say is the average age of the homes in that area? They're mostly post-war, so 1950s, you know, stick homes. There's probably some brick in there and a lot of little multifamily I just got done reading a book from the people who founded or at least run Zillow. And I think it's called The New Rules of Real Estate. And one of the things they said about identifying an up-and-coming neighborhood that's going to appreciate, uh, they said, well, they said three things. One is find an area that is close to the action. Two is older homes. And then three is an area where most of the people rent. And sounds like you've got all three of those factors that are going into that southwest area of Denver along Morrison Road. Cool. Well, it's nice to be backed up by Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about real estate investing for yourself personally, what do you focus on? Um, I am just making the step up or attempting to make the step up from holding individual properties. I have two condos here in Denver, um, and I'd like to 
move into some small multifamily. I'm probably not going to do that in Denver. So I'm researching neighborhoods in other states where I can afford to buy four or eight doors. That's where I'm headed next. And how are you identifying those new markets since your market is a little bit too hot for that right now? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm talking to a lot of people. I've kind of started with price point, you know, where are there fourplexes for 150 or $200,000? And then I just am doing a lot of reading on how to vet multifamily and how to vet an area. So I'm looking at, you know, the health of the financial health of the government there, um, you know, what kind of new jobs are coming in. And on occasion, I have things where I have a client who just moved out of state to Spokane. And so I'm getting her personal take on it and doing as much research as I can. If you're talking about Spokane, Washington, and you're in Denver, I was going to say, does the miles between where you're at and the new market factor into it? But I suspect it does not factor into it if you're looking at places in Washington. It doesn't really. Um, I've done flips out of state. And I, you know, if I can manage a flip, I can probably manage a rental. And I, my goal would always be to have property management. So to me, if I have good property management, it doesn't matter as much if I'm right there or if I have to get on a plane once in a while. How do you find the property management company that you can trust with your property that's out of state? <laughs> that's a magic question. Um, referrals, referrals, referrals is where I'm going to start. Yeah, because that's, that's probably the biggest piece. And when you talk to that property management company, even with the referral, I'm sure you go through an interview process with them. What are some of the questions that you ask? You know, I don't even know if I can answer that yet. <laughs> Obviously, I want to know, you know, what kind of reporting they're going to do. You know, when are they going to call me and when are they not going to call me? You know, how do they handle delinquencies? You know, are they doing notices right away? You know, are they charging me for re-renting or can I, you know, can we do some sort of incentive for keeping people in the property? You know, I want to get other references from them and I think that's where I would start. How did you do a flip while living in Denver and where were the flips that were out of state and how did you do them? I did one in Indianapolis this spring. You know, I went out there last year just because Denver's been so hot. I've been doing a lot of traveling, just getting to know people in different markets. And so I went to the Midwest for a few weeks and drove around, went to a bunch of places and really liked Indianapolis and, and met some neat people there. And, and one of the guys I met there just sent me an email that I got this house for $9,000. And I just thought, well, for $9,000... You know, you can't go, how wrong can you go? <laughs> so, depends on what's owed on taxes and water bills, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I had all that info. So I, I bought it um, and then I flew out there. And, and that was the thing. Again, just like having property management, it's just key to have a really good project manager or GC that is on the ground and is going to be at the project and watching how things go and, and providing the information I need. And I went out to visit a few times. But uh, overall, it was actually it was actually a really good experience. How did you find the GC? Was that through a referral as well? He was actually the guy that sent me the property. So it was just because I went out there and you know spent a day with him looking at his projects. I knew what he did, and I you know had a good we had a good rapport, and so we just went from there. And what are the numbers behind it? How much did it cost to fix up? How much is it worth now? Is it still on your books, or did you sell it? No, it's sold. So I paid nine for it. I think all in with renovation costs, we were just at about 85 grand. I needed 
everything, obviously. And we listed it at 129. We sold it in two days for 127, and it's closed. So we made a nice. I personally, it was about a you know 40% cash on cash return for what I put in. So not bad. How much of that? See, 85. So that would be 75, 76 thousand dollars. Did you put in that was needing further repairs? I personally was in with holding costs and just miscellaneous about 30. I did it with a JV partner because I didn't want the stress of holding costs uh, and things. So the original intention was that he would front all the cash and he put in the majority of it. When you think about your best real estate investing advice ever, what do you think of? I think that knowing what your criteria is and sticking with it is the key. And that is, you know, whether you're buying a home for yourself and you know what you can afford in a mortgage or whether you're looking for an investment property and you know what kind of return, you know, put it on a checklist or put it on a spreadsheet so that you can vet every single deal against that and don't, don't mess with it. Just stick to it. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. First, a quick word from our best ever partners crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. All right, Mickey, what's the best ever book you've read? I'm going to stick with real estate and I'm going to say the 12 week year. I call it crack for the overachiever, (laughs) but it'll keep you organized like nothing else will. What's something that you took away from it? Starting my day with things that relate to my goals specifically, not turning on my phone, not checking my email, but just getting that stuff done. Cause then if nothing else gets done, I'm in good shape. Best ever personal growth experience. And what'd you learn from it? I am a gypsy at heart, so uh, there have been a couple times in my life where I just picked up. After college, I, I moved to New Zealand, um, and in 2000, I moved to the Virgin Islands, and both places I had never been before, and I had about a week to find a place to live and get a job, and so when I get a little overwhelmed with all the stuff going on in my life, I just kind of remember what I achieved, you know, that I was able to do that and that I was always okay, and that, uh, that carries me through not making decisions based on fear. Best ever personal influence in your life? Person or? Yeah. I was unprepared for this. (laughs) Yeah, it's a new question I just threw in there. (laughs) You know, it might be a weird answer, but I'm going to say my my nieces and nephews. I, I don't have any kids myself and was not really ever interested in that, but those kids give me something just amazing and it it pushes me in my real estate investing because I want to support their futures as well as my own. So it really just gives me something to to work for. Best ever deal you've done? My first condo that I bought by myself, I was unemployed. I couldn't get financing uh, or no, I wasn't unemployed. Sorry. I was a new broker. So, you know, I was self-employed and I just wanted this thing and I did not know how to make it happen. So I, I asked a client who had cash in the bank, how much interest he was making and whether he would finance it for me for a year. And, you know, I had no idea what seller financing was or anything, but I found a way to make the deal work. And he said yes, and I bought it. And, you know, now it just makes me realize that I'm in the right business. (laughs) How'd you pay him back in one year? So I knew that I needed one more year of tax returns to refi it. And then we actually 
sorted it out where I was able to pull a, a line of credit on it, and then I paid him back from that. What's the best ever project you're most excited about right now? We are converting an old retail space on Federal Boulevard in Denver, uh, which is a heavy commercial area, into a super cool live-work loft. And that's just, it's taking a long time, but it's going to be super awesome when it's done. And it's really fun. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I really enjoy mentoring. So my staff, I meet with them and and talk about their goals and, and my clients too, just anywhere. I just, I always want to be the person who says, you know, who's, who hears your dream and says, yeah, you can do that and let's make a plan. What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Getting into a partnership with someone without really knowing how to vet them or knowing what I was doing. I got into a JV flip two years ago and this week I am stepping in and trying to get it sold finally. So I just say, you know, when you're looking at going into partnership with someone, trust your instincts when you see red flags and don't let dollar signs make your decisions for you. You know, again, stick with your criteria, get references. What would you have done differently Would it be those references that you would have checked out with this individual? Based on the documentation, like the JV agreement and just some things in our interactions, um, I actually would have just passed. I wouldn't have even done more research. I just would have waited for a better deal. And what are some things that we can look for that you learn from? Does the person have experience in the area that they're going into? You know, for example, regionally, have they done a flip in this area before? Do they know the market well? You know, when you see things that contradict each other, like he says, I'm going to sell it in four months and you see that listings have been on the market for a year, go with your gut, you know, (laughs) the numbers don't lie. And what's the best ever place to reach you? You can reach me at my website, 33zenlane.com. And I'm also very active on Bigger Pockets. All right, Mickey. Well, thank you for being on the show and sharing your best real estate investing advice ever talking about your your market and one of the areas that you see as an opportunity for investing, knowing that the margins are, are fairly thin across the board, but there are opportunities in any sub-market. You've got to know where to find them. But in particular, southwest of Denver along Morrison Road, you mentioned, looks like a good area. And based on the Zillow people from the book I just read, sounds like the perfect storm as well for the opportunity if you know as the opportunity exists in Denver and then talking about how you interview property management companies or you will be interviewing property management companies and what you're looking for going into business in other markets flipping homes in other markets like you did in Indianapolis where you partnered with the general contractor and then lastly vetting J- joint venture partners JV partners and making sure that they have the experience in the market that you're investing in and that the numbers just uh, quite frankly make sense and line up with what you're seeing. So thanks for being on the show and sharing your advice. Had a wonderful conversation with you and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.